Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, episode 691. I'm your host, Harry, joined today by Carl. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about unstoppable immigration, how Labour is going to destroy Britain, and finally we're going to be talking about, what is your final segment regarding? Bill Gates is going to save the world with mosquitoes. Yes, I think that's why it didn't stick in my mind, because that's such an absurd scenario to me that it seems so confusing. You'll be praising the mosquito by the end of this. We'll see, I guess we'll see. Off to Africa with all of us it seems. Uh, Before we get into the news though, for those of you who will be able to attend and watch live, we do have a Rumble live stream going out later today at 3.30 UK time where yourself and Connor will be talking about the COVID vaccine and whether it is in fact the mark of the beast. Yeah, I don't actually know much about this because this is Connor's hangout. So he's going to be taking me through all of this stuff. It seems very biblical. From what I spoke to him about earlier on today, there's going to be lots of references to revelations and such in it. So I'm sure you'll have a grand old time. (laughs) I'm sure it'll be entertaining. So yes, if you can tune into that live, please feel free. We always love to speak to our uh, audience live and uh, listen into your super chats and get your support there. So thank you very much. And with that, let's get into the news. So I have have come to the position that I don't think the rise of the far right can actually be stopped at this point. I think the rise of the far right is kind of inevitable, and I think the left have come to the same conclusion. Can we be clear what we mean when we say the far right? <laughs> not left. Okay, works for me. The rise of the not left is uh, is coming, and this is something that is, of course, making the left uh, shake in their boots, because they have dominated the 20th century and into the 21st century and so modernity has been essentially a left-wing project and we're seeing how it's basically falling apart now and this is unsustainable it can't carry on and if you would like to know more about modernity go and check out thomas and stelios's uh, symposium about modernity itself because thomas has come to a reasonably similar position as me and stelios is defending modernity and uh, i mean as you can see by the thumbnail Thomas looks like he's pretty intent on this. Thomas uh, looks like he's got a closed fist just <laughs> off screen. <laughs> it's a, the, 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 obviously, it's a really great discussion, and uh, I r- thoroughly recommend it. But anyway, let's go to the actual events now. So you can see that even places like the New Statesman are like, well, hang on a second. This immigration issue is kind of getting out of hand, and Rishi Sunak should take on the immigration fantasists. I have noticed the new statesman, along with Labour, and we'll get into more of this in the next segment, mm-hmm. have started to change the nature of well, some of their rhetoric recently. In, in, in this, they're still pro-immigration. Obviously. Of course they are. Um, but what they're saying is they, Rishi Sunak should, and the rest of the Conservatives should stop promising to lower immigration because obviously it means they're just breaking their promises every single time year after year oh this isn't even an article saying like okay we still love immigration and all the enrichment but a million a year maybe not no no they're totally fine with (laughs) a million a year two million a year come on in the the problem is that they say it's uh, the problem is that once you set out specific details rather than speaking about reducing immigration in the abstract uh, it becomes very difficult or unwise uh, to achieve radical reductions in immigration so they're like, no, no, the, the country will collapse if we don't have millions of foreigners coming in every year. Well, that's my experience. Yeah, okay, bring on the collapse then. Um, we need to end the cycle of unrealistic promises, followed by cries of betrayal and further unrealistic co- promises. Immigration policy is complex. It involves trade-offs. Aggressively lowering net migration involves costs that sensible governments do not want to pay. Rather than indulging fantasies, our political leaders need to confront them. So what they're saying is, look, it's a fancy to think that a million people a year won't come into the country. It's a total fancy, and our leaders just need to come out and just be like, yeah, no, you're getting a million people a year. Get used to it. I mean, what 
they I, I love the way that they always use these abstract notions like the um aggressively lowering net migration involves costs oh yeah it involves costs <laughs> that sensible governments because the sensible governments wouldn't pay any money sensible governments would pay who knows how much to house these people and uh, give how them much benefits every service they use and whatnot but anyway right so that was the far left policy uh, the far left position from the uh, new, statesman. new statesman let's go to the center left position from the telegraph right immigration is out of control the the conservatives can't control immigration it's like they don't want to They've never tried. They don't do anything. And all they do is rubber stamp visas, like probably frantically rubber stamping these fucking visas. I shouldn't swear. Uh, to get as many people as <laughs> they can. your own rules. I know, I know. Because these, these are the people who they think make the line go up. It's not true. It's the total opposite of reality. We are not experiencing any economic growth. We are experiencing record, unprecedented migration of 1.2 million people in last year. And yet the Conservatives are still committed to the idea that this makes a line go up. Well, I mean, even if it did, I don't care. But it doesn't. If, if the line that is important is the <laughs> migration line, <laughs> yeah. yes, that I mean, one is continually well, yeah, that, going that up. That very much gone up. Yeah, it's very good. Um, but uh, but the thing is, they know that they know that this is all coming to an end, right? They, they say just in this, like the the Tories are set to be booted out ultimately because they have betrayed the country on immigration totally true the conservatives know in their bones that it's over within the westminster bubble one hears all too often the fatalistic argument that the problem of the channel crossings and mass migration were always too intractable to solve too intractable to solve but the problem is that those same problems didn't exist about 30 to 40 years ago yes so how was it that we were in a period before these problems existed if well, you can't solve them for literally centuries we didn't have these problems and then for the last 25 years, we have these problems. And the Tories are like, oh, it just can't be solved. Right. And the thing is, they know. And in fact, they know in, in, even in the centre-left Tory uh, telegraph, uh, they, they say, well, look, you know, with the right attitude, the Tories could have fixed both. That's right, the right attitude. Um, it was to address nothing short of the civilizational challenge in the West, uh, the implosion of an entire economic model and political governance. But yes, things have to change. End of story. Uh, and... This the one I mean major problem like we've we've spoken about like the systemic problems of immigration, but then you get the sort of personal problems of immigration that individuals have to deal with. Like this is an article I found today. If you go to the next one, uh, this channel migrant again, you don't know who he is. He doesn't have a passport. You don't know where he's come from. You don't know what his background is. You don't know what his uh, criminal records like. Well, international and, criminal. Yeah, exactly. And he's here for forty days and then rapes someone, allegedly. They must have been holding back quite hard. Yeah, and it's just awful, obviously. Just a 33-year-old man breaks into our country, finds a woman, drags her into the bushes and rapes her. Speaks through the court via an interpreter, obviously. These were not problems that we once suffered from. No. No. And the last time we did suffer from them, Alfred the Great destroyed the people who were doing it with with actual armies. I don't see Suella leading any armies anytime soon. But this is the problem. We've... Like, when you invite millions of people from around the world to come and live in your country, you actually don't tend to get the best and brightest from the countries that you are trying to recruit from. You get the people who are chances. You get the people who are like, well, I'm not doing very well in my own country. Maybe I'll go to this country and try there. Right? Because the people who are already doing well in that country are like, well, I'm not going to give up everything that I've got. I've made a life. I've got a business. I've got all these connections. I've got a family. I've got. I'm building what I want to have, and so it's not those people who are coming. And so you get like this article from the Spectator, which is just fantastic, absolutely fantastic, uh, by Jonathan Miller here. And in here, he just lays out some statistics. Right, uh, 
Police in Sweden have identified 31,000 people with connections to gangs. 31,000. That's a, that's a town. An entire town of people who are just connected to gangs. We have never faced such ruthless criminality, says Anders Thornberg, the national police chief, in a recent interview. Uh, the model of organisation for the entire Swedish justice system is not rigged to face such extensive criminality. We're police officers. We can't deal with this level of crime. That's literally the demolition man phrase right, that he's using. In the most recent waves of immigration, Sweden is letting more refugees and people claiming to be refugees, which I think is the important distinction, uh, as a share of population than any other European country. It is coping with the consequences. Last year, Norway had four fatal shootings, compared to 63 in Sweden. Right? And if you would say, well, I mean, Norway's got half the population. Okay, well, that's still nearly 10 times the amount per capita, right? In Botkira, southwest of Stockholm, a generation has been lost to gangs, says Paulina Nuding, a journalist who has written a book on Sweden's descent. Many of Botkira's, I can't pronounce it, children are disproportionately from immigrant backgrounds and easy pickings for Sweden alone. But it's not Sweden, uh, easy pickings for gangs, sorry. But it's not Sweden alone. In Brussels last week, police and angry immigrants crashed. Uh, crashed. What is with my reading today? <laughs> Clashed. Belgian police said they arrested 64 people. Perhaps more surprising is the experience of Switzerland, a country not associated with the rioting. In Lausanne, there were clashes between uh, police and youths. Young people threw paving stones at at least one Molotov cocktail officers. Swiss police detained Portuguese, Somali, Bosnian, Swiss, Georgian and Serbian citizens. Portuguese? What are you doing in Switzerland? Why are you... Why are you rioting? <laughs> a lot of this also comes out at the exact same time as the riots that began in France, mm. which, uh, as I was covering last week, seems to be breaking out into different countries because what has happened as well is across Europe, we it's not just France and England that have imported these foreign populations, it's these places as well, and they seem to always be just waiting on the edge. Yes. Waiting at the edges for the mo right moment Wait, to... Waiting for a sense of weakness. Chaos. Yeah, they're waiting for weakness so they can start doing these things. They carry on. In Germany, where Angela Merkel opened the doors to refugees from the Middle East, the number of criminal offences across that country, 16 federal states, has skyrocketed, up by 12% last year, with some authorities recording 5.6 million crimes, most of which will go uninvestigated. Right? Incidents of rapes, sexual offences and fatal assaults all rose by more than 20% last year. Robberies jumped 27%. See, when Why are the Germans becoming such criminals? I wonder... Well, are they the Germans? Exactly. They're not the Germans. That's exactly the point. And so this has led to uh, right-wing commentators online uh, making fun of this, such as uh, Mullet Matthew here, debunking right-wing myths. No refugees do not commit a majority of crime. They're only 2% of the population and commit 9% of all the crime. <laughs> Racist. And it's a great way of framing it. Still because, vastly overrepresented. Well, yes, exactly. They, they, you would think, in theory, they would commit 2% of the crime. Well, that, that's the thing. When the Spectator article that we looked at just a moment ago, when it says that the police in Sweden say that they don't have the means to be able to deal with these sorts of things, I don't believe them. I, I, they don't have the will to They, they don't things. have the will It's the same thing that led to uh, incidences in England Like the Rotherham scandal yeah. We did have the ability to be able to do something about it Just that the people that were in positions where they could didn't Yes, that's completely true um, Anyway, let's go to his next one uh, This is good <laughs> I've spent months as an undercover sleeper agent in right-wing circles To expose their lies In the UK, non-whites who are 13% of the population Are only 27% of the prisoners Far cry from majority. He's got us. He's got us. <laughs> anyway, 
in Ireland, you get a lot of this as well, and people are just taking direct action. Now, of course, we do not endorse burning down refugee camps. This is merely something that has happened as a consequence of what is occurring here. Uh, a bunch of far-right anti-immigrant activists, as uh, Euronews describe them, have claimed responsibility to setting fire to a makeshift, makeshift camp housing asylum in uh, Dublin. And it's like, okay, well, what did you expect? Did you expect that they would just be put upon forever? As, as always, the question is, well, if you create the environment where this is likely to happen, what did you expect to happen? Yeah, there was, there was always going to be some kind of pushback, right? And so let's go over to France. Let's go over to the BBC coverages, uh, BBC's coverage of France, right? France riots, fueled by everyday discrimination. I've seen some clips from the rioters themselves that would suggest otherwise. Yeah, I mean, me too, but uh, the BBC hasn't seen those because their fact-checkers are willfully blind. But they say, in our series of letters from African journalists, France-based Maha Mezi writes about how racism and Islamophobia lie behind the anger seen on the country's streets in the past week. France-based Maha Mezi, I'm sure yes. a completely impartial voice in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He says some left-leaning politicians have condemned the campaign to raise money for the police officer who was killed uh, by the rioters. Uh, ended up raising uh, £1.4 million, pounds, £1.6 million. Euros. Uh, no, it's not. He wasn't killed. It was the police officer who killed the 17-year-old that led oh, to all it? of this. Yes, right, he, okay. he's been put into oh, custody. Oh, no, sorry, you are right. I misread that. Yes. Sorry, you are right. Um, but yeah, so you can see the public is like, we're not on the side of the rioters. Right? No, of course not. Once again, I, d I don't want to harp on this or make it sound like this kid deserved to die, no. but he had been stopped by the police numerous times, at least 10 times in the past, for <clears throat> driving-related incidences. He was a drug dealer, and in the situation that he was in, he already had a gun pointed at him, and they said, we will shoot you, and then decided that he was going to disobey the police anyway. Also, he was driving illegally. Yes. He wasn't allowed to do And he was about to hit a... Well, he'd almost hit a cyclist and yeah. numerous people. But um, but they say some left-leaning politicians condemn the campaign, but others on the right use it to symbolise their support for the police, and it has become a highly divisive issue. Well, okay, it's divisive between the rampaging immigrant gangs or the police and general population of France. That's the division. And why are you choosing the foreign? Element, I mean, I, I know? don't always support the police in every situation. No. They they victimise us oftentimes. But if it's a police officer in a situation that's reasonable can be explained, yeah. then of course I'm going to support it. But th this journalist says all of this fuels the feeling of many Muslims and North Africans living in France. They are not accepted by the state and society. Then why stay? Well, they're not accepted by the state. Just handed out. Who knows how many benefits by them? Well, yeah, they, we, yeah, they're obviously on benefits. Um, but, um, but this explains why many people reacted with such anger to the killing of Nahal. And so, as Politico Europe point out, well, Macron must fix a broken France. Good luck. Just best of luck to you. I mean, if anyone can do it, it's not Macron. <laughs> exactly right. Macron has accumulated a difficult, painful crisis situation that has perplexed the outside world, says a, political, a politics researcher at the Sciences Po Institute. It's as if France is a pressure cooker. Each crisis reveals tensions, a conflict in society, tensions over the respect owed to our institutions. Our country is constantly invoking Republican values, but it appears entire segments of the population don't feel this matters to them. Yeah. So you brought loads of people into France, and they're like, we don't care about your Republican values, we don't like you, we don't like your police, we don't like your institutions, we don't respect any of it, and screw you, and they're like, right, Macron, fix this. What's he supposed to do? 
Like, what are his options? I, I, I have found some of the flailing amusing as well from many liberal and centrist commentators saying, well, it's nothing to do with their ethnicity or the mm. fact that they're foreigners. It's nothing to do with that. Some of these people are, you know, second generation, third generation. Mm. Yes, and they still don't feel French. They still don't identify as being French. And they still have no respect for the culture and history of the place that has, been, that has taken them in. And this is exactly what the African journalist in France is saying. We feel like outsiders in France. Okay, well, then what can be done, you know? Um, I mean, Macron's only solution is turning off social media, which, <laughs> I mean, he is right that social media networks are a means of spreading these this kind of idea of revolution and revolt, and therefore it will slow down the process. He's not wrong, right? I mean, this is what the... Um, Arab Spring was inspired by you know this is what social media is allowed uh, but that's hardly the right thing to do is it okay we're going to turn off social media for everyone it's like now everyone has to be punished because groups of immigrants are rioting in France brilliant uh, anyway um, but the, what he's talking about here are the mechanisms of the problem not the heart of the problem the heart of the problem is that the liberal delusion that in fact we can just bring anyone from anywhere in the world and they will just be like us willingly was not true that no, was not, not true right it they was can they can be here for generations at a time and yeah. they still won't feel any connection to their new homeland yeah or and at least what they're being sold as as being their new homeland unless you just cede the country over to them entirely yeah and even then they need to burn it all down before it'll be theirs yeah i, I posted about this on twitter yesterday because there's a video going around um that wasn't said to have been from the riots and i got community noted on this which is fine because the video is 2019 and it's a bunch of algerians in the center of I paris waving the algerian flag and all i was like is look people wave the flags of the things they endorse like they're not waving fl french flags for a reason this tells us everything we need to know they do not think of themselves as french um i think john's just sorting out some of the tabs yeah don't worry i didn't get it up john um and so it, it was just a look you know it's I'm not saying that they're bad people for feeling Algerian. It's totally fine. But what I'm saying is, if actually the liberal delusion that, in fact, we can bring all of these people and just transplant people into the new country and then say, right, you are now French, that doesn't work because people are different. And there are people who are like, ah, well, what are you saying? This is race. I was like, no, it's not race because North Africans genetically are basically the same as Southern Europeans because, of course, North Africa and the Mediterranean region has been a, a, a melting pot, dare you use the term, for the last 2,000, 3,000 years. Like, all of these people have been in close contact with each other. There have been uh, empires that have spanned the entire thing. There's been a great movement of population. So these people are racially very, very similar, right? You probably wouldn't be able to tell a North African from a Spaniard or an Italian by looking at them, right? The skin tone is basically the same, but they come from different civilizations, they come from different traditions. They have different languages. They have different law systems. They have different ethos towards life. Well, they have a different history. They, they have a different history, exactly. And the history is what makes you what you are in the present day. You are not just year zero self-made men who can be transplanted anywhere. And this will be relevant when we get yeah, to your bill. Once again, what you're, what you're saying is not that they are bad people for no. feeling Algerian. But what we, no, can tell, what we can tell certainly is that they are not French. And, and they, they do not feel, feel French. French. The exactly. fact that you can get community noted and they can say, well, it's not from these riots. Congratulations. Yeah, that's well, not in, the point I'm making. In that case, <laughs> it doesn't even take this kind of event for them to go out on the streets and wave their flags around. Exactly. I mean, they were like... they were. They were protesting about democracy in Algeria. I'm like, well, why does the average if Frenchman Fran care about if that? If you're in France, yeah. I thought you were going there to have a uh, to get away from all of that, unless, of course, exactly. you still feel some kind of connection to Algeria. Exactly. And so, anyway, going back to the rise of the far right, um, there was a recent poll in the past couple of days. Oh, it showed Le Pen at 51 percent. 
I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> where's Where's Moore doing in all of this? Uh, I don't think he's running at the moment, um, unfortunately. But, he's uh, just reading the headlines and nodding along, saying, I told you. Yeah, he, I said. Yeah, he really is. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Le Pen at 51%. Uh, so it's not looking good, basically, for uh, Macron. Macron's at, like, 45%. So the the time is just coming closer and closer and closer. And the liberal centrist consensus must be well aware that what it's doing just isn't working. Um, but anyway, we, like I said, we're not the only ones seeing this. Of course, you've got radical left-wingers who are seeing this. We go to then Owen Jones. <laughs> Must we? Across Europe, the far right is rising. That it seems normal is all the more terrifying. Brilliant. It's normal for whatever Owen Jones calls the far right to rise. I mean, if, it. if it seems abnormal to Owen Jones, I'm more than happy to accept it within my own life. No, 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 no. It's totally normal. It's normal. Normalize the far right, says Owen Jones. The far right is normal, says Owen Jones. It's perfectly understandable that after our communist policies have basically failed, the far right rises up, and we expected that. We saw it coming too. He sees it coming, and it's totally normal. Whenever they say far right, you can just be like, okay, well, that's just the same as saying Labour then, isn't it? It's just the same as saying Liberal Democrats. It's just saying the same as Conservative. It's just a normal aspect of politics. Love it. Love the normalization, right? Because this is normal. Um, as he says, um, we thought from our darkest moments of history we'd learned, but unless the far right is once again treated as beyond the pale, new horrors await. I don't think they do. I think the horrors are already happening, actually. And I think what you're calling the far right, which we can just call conservative, really, is a series of movements that are trying to just maintain and re-establish the previous political order of our countries, which has been deliberately perverted in the last 30 years or so by a globalist ideology. And he complains in here, obviously, about the AFD on the rise in Germany. Obviously he does. Of course he does. We may as well go to the next one, right? So, recent surveys have put support for the AFD at a record 18 to 20%, uh, neck and neck with uh, Schultz's Social Democrats and behind only the Conservative Democrats. So, AFD are on track to become the second largest political party in Germany, if trends continue. And they recently won a uh, mayor's office, as you can see there, and uh, various other local elections in Germany. I haven't been following very closely, um, but it's good to see that they're doing really well because they're not like a self-loathing party. Every other party across the West is just self-loathing party, apart from what is called far-right, because far-right just means essentially patriotic at this point, and until they do something terrible that I'm like, no, I don't agree with that, I'm going to maintain that position. Until they prove otherwise, I'm going to treat them as normal conservative patriots. And I don't see why there's any reason not to. And it's only people on the radical left who say, oh, they're evil, they're evil. Well, show me the evil. I don't see any evil. What I see is people being normal. I mean, Thomas Kruger, the head of Federal Agency for Civic Education, warned this, this weekend that the party, should, AFD, should not be dismissed as a mere protest movement. Oh, good. The voters want this party. The situation is serious. Excellent. Brilliant. Great news. Good news. The voters want this party. They're not just a protest movement. The situation is serious. Yeah, it's been serious for quite a while now. Did you see yesterday what Callum and I briefly mentioned regarding the no. AFD, where there were polls done where um, I think the question was, the AFD is a major threat to democracy, seeing if people agreed or not. And 10% of the AFD respondents said yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
many a giga chad meme was yeah, made yeah. but i've i've met various members of the afd because i went out there and gave my conservative guides to white fragility out there um and this was really good because they were like well, what's all this stuff and i was like well actually i kind of know a lot about this and so i went over and gave a talk saying look this is an anglo-american uh, invasive species of ideology that is coming to pollute your country and so they invited me to the German parliament to explain this which I did and they all seemed very nice and normal like there was nothing insane or radical about them they were just very concerned people I, f I've, I just felt maybe they were just waiting for you to leave the room maybe uh, yeah they, they, they left, and then left, the banners yeah, fell the banners fell yeah exactly that's all <laughs> I can imagine uh, and you know I'm as skeptical of Germans as anyone but uh but yeah, no, you can go watch this on uh, on Lucy's.com because A, I thought I did a really good job, and B, it, they were just normal, right? Anyway, go back to The Guardian now. The far right is marching into the mainstream. Oh, very choice photo of yeah, Maloney right I there know. as well. She's waving, she's waving at someone, but... They did this to David Bowie yeah. in the 70s yeah. as well. <laughs> but could that be a Heil Hitler salute? Could it be? It could be, couldn't it? Maybe. <laughs> That's disgusting. She's just reconnecting with her Roman heritage car. <laughs> But I love, the, I love the line. Whether in Italy, Spain, France or Finland, parties that were once outcasts are fast gaining respectability and power. It's just a Professor Farnsworth meme. Good, Good news, news, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but across Western Europe, far-right parties are advancing, climbing steadily up the poles, shaping the policies of the mainstream right to reflect nativist and populist platforms and occupying select ministerial roles in coalition governments. If you look at that graph, the blue is the, uh, the right wing, and the red is the left wing. Brilliant. The, the happy colour is the left is the right wing. <laughs> the evil colour is the left yeah, wing. Actually, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> the colour that represents order and stability and you know cool peace. calm peace. The the, the colour that represents fire and pain and damage and chaos <laughs> is thankfully on the wane there. So uh, yeah, they, they but I love the way they frame it. Oh, they reflect nativist and populist platforms. What you mean, democratic platforms? Uh, I'm, I'm, Majoritarian platforms? I must have to point out, though, with this particular graph, it seems rather slanted in the way that it's tallying right-wing, given that the UK is one majority right-wing and two on the darker shade of right-wing as yeah, well, which suggests know, that, as always, The Guardian is a little bit yeah. skewed in its perspective. I know. Like, really, take everything up until, like, the, the very furthest darkest blue as being left wing in some way yeah but you can see the guardian is like well no it should all be dark red everywhere so at least they feel they can feel the way the the winds are shifting the tide is turning they can feel it and then they go so they go through a bunch of them like uh, in spain you've got vox who have been uh, storming in the polls apparently uh, in the netherlands you've got the farmers movement which we the farmer citizen mm. movement which we talked about previously who have been doing uh, they're the second biggest party now or something and they've just come out of nowhere uh, and then they get to britain and they're just like well how do we explain britain's lack of far-right party it's a great question. This is, this is true because I'm hearing all of this and it's, yeah. uh, it's sounding great from what you're yeah. saying to me. Europeans and I'm just thinking, why great. can't I have this? Yeah, exactly. Why can't we have what Italy has or why, what, what Germany no, has? No, you've got the worst of the far right. <laughs> you have the Tories. That's literally what they say. That's literally what they say. <laughs> the most radically right-wing party in the UK's history. The far right. Significantly to the listen, left of li Clement Attlee. I know, I know. It's Listen to this, right? The far right may not be formally represented in Westminster, but analysts argue that populism, nativism, and cultural conservatism have long dictated certain centre-right policies. 
They cite, con- they cite nationalistic sloganeering by government ministers and conservative MPs before and since the Brexit referendum and immigration poli- policy and related rhetoric that are arguably tougher than those on any U- continental European government. Which is why we have such record immigration numbers. Delusional nonsense. Because <laughs> right? they're saying, oh, all this rhetoric. Yeah, but what do they do, though? Yeah, nothing. That's the most important thing is words aren't action. Action is action. Yes. And and so they're like, yeah, and, they're, and the Conservatives have declared war on woke. It's like, no, they haven't. They've got LGBT Conservatives. <laughs> they, they are woke. Yeah, they are the woke. You know, all of this has they're happened over the last 13 years of Conservative government. They're literally in the, gov- in the, in the position of government that enforces woke laws. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they literally are enforcing the woke laws. And so, anyway, basically in Britain we have nothing because ultimately our electorate is just nice prepared things. to be... Al- they, they prepare, they're allowed to be lied to. They allow themselves to be lied to. And they're like, oh, I'm not happy with the Conservatives. I'm going to vote Labour. It's like, why? Why are you going to vote Labour? But anyway, so across Europe, the far right is rising, and that's a good thing. <laughs> All right, and speaking of voting Labour, don't do it. Don't vote Labour. They've been saying Ugh. lots of things recently that has been throwing out the red meat to right-wingers, disaffected Tory voters, people who look at the country and go, well, this is all going to hell. Yeah. Let's not vote for the people that have been doing this for the past 13 years. And then they look over at Labour and see that Keir Starmer has been making some claims that he is now a Conservative. Fat chance. Unless he means conserving Blairism and the same paradigm we've been living in for the past 25 yeah, years. Yeah, Blairism is dying. I have to save it, says Keir Starmer. Yes, I, that's right. I'm a Conservative. So I mean, one, one, one thing is just to bear in mind, when your politicians start throwing out red meat, Ask yourself why you why they force you onto a vegan diet every other day of the week. Why they would do this? Why isn't the red meat your main party policy? If you throw that out when you know you want people to like you, why don't you do that every single day of the week? And then people will just have every reason to like you every, every all the time until it gets to the elections. I, well, because it's sheer electioneering. That's, exactly, because they, they know what they're doing. And something important that has, been co- that has come out recently is an article from the Daily Skeptic. We're not going to go to it straight away, but an article from the Daily Skeptic examining a proposal by Labour called the New Britain document, which lays I out their plans. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, but it lays out their plans for the future of yeah. the country if they are to get in power. And I tell you what, it's not looking good. It's really not looking good. I must say as well that this document's been out for about six months. Some people already knew what was on it. I'm sure we covered it previously. We we might have. I know that Scrump did a stream on it, but uh, but nobody was really paying attention to it before this Daily Skeptic article came out. I think AA spoke about it last night as well, but but we need to spread the word that Labour are evil, uh, Blairism is evil, and just because they're saying the right rhetoric doesn't mean they actually are going to do anything with it. Well, they're just going to ruin us. Like, it's, it's all a front to just ruin us. Yes, and I think it's rather appropriate to direct people to the website where they can find your book club on Jean-Jacques Rousseau's social contracts, because essentially, as yeah. you pointed out while we were discussing this beforehand, what this is going to be is initiating the social contract society to an even greater degree than we already experience. Yeah, the, 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 the Labour Party, Keir Starmer in particular, I've come to the conclusion they're just not very bright people and they don't understand what it is they're doing, and so they've got this, this NPC political programming that is just taken from the French Revolution, where they're like, yeah, we need to do all of those things. And so they're enacting a slow-scale French Revolution in Britain at the moment. 
Perhaps. I don't know necessarily if I would say that they're unintelligent people. Oh, I would definitely say the Labour Party are unintelligent. I, I would say elements of them are. Keir Starmer seems to be trying to reorient them in a more intelligent direction, purely off the back of the rhetoric for I, electioneering. I, I, I don't but think at the it's same intelligent. Time, I think it's just pragmatism. But, well, he, I, don't, I don't think he understands he, what it well, is he he's asking. Well, he has Blair to. guiding him behind the scenes, and Blair, sure. I do think, is intelligent, just evil. L let's be fair. He got what he wanted done, but what he wanted yeah. was evil. Yeah, but the the reason he wants these things is because he's not very smart, I think. I don't think any of these people are very smart. Blair is definitely the best of them, but that's not <laughs> saying a lot. Uh, but anyway, I'll let you carry yeah, on. Yeah, yes, and uh, we also have another article, uh, a deep think that you did on this yeah. as well, where you were talking about Rousseau's Savage, well, which the, is also the, available on the website. The reason that these are important is because I'm explaining the assumptions that go into all of these things why they matter because essentially what Keir Starmer is trying to do is arrive at the year zero position that the French revolutionaries took up and is trying to create like the self-made man who is not a product of a time and a place whereas we are all products of times and places we all come from somewhere in a certain place in a certain time from a certain people with certain habits and customs and language and there's the accumulated um detritus of tradition that weighs on us whether we like it or not and Keir Starmer's like yeah but we need to get rid of that it's like you can't get rid of that the French have been trying for 200 years and they're still the French you know it's just for now <laughs> for now it, it is just the way that our civilizations are and the, the the very notion of a social contract is kind of evil really when you think about it but I won't go on about it now yeah, so if you want to learn more about it then you can watch the book club and you can read Carl's article both of which are available for people who get a premium subscription to the website which starts out at £5 per month in fact is the, is the deep think free is it just the silver members um, get the audio track or is it I can't remember offhand we can't remember offhand, but either way, you should get a subscription to the website because yeah. we have so much excellent work on there, videos, articles that you can get access to for £5 a month. So very good investment, if you ask me. So moving on with this then. So I did cover in recent weeks the um, conservative turn that a lot of Labour's rhetoric has been taking. I've been sure to... Con uh, to um, to asterisk all of this by saying you know they, they will say the right things but they will do everything that you expect labor to do because they are still labor when, when they That's say all conservative you can from they mean david cameron conservative yes they mean modern 21st century yeah. conservative which isn't fitting of the title but still if we carry on we can see what they're doing now and there was an uh, announcement earlier today where they were talking about what they would do Keir Starmer went up and gave a speech in front of people and this speech was he was talking about the class ceiling I was talking about this because of course being Labour you can talk all you want about conservatism but all of it is constantly about class divides how we need to allow the working class to be able to get a leg up through the systems of education we need to use education to mean that people and he used this very phrase in the speech can break the links from where they started to where they end up which seems to me to just be i, I want to break people's family relationships yeah. break the relationship to the land yeah. that they're tied to joe biden actually said something similar recently but at least he uh actually said it in the traditional conservative way he said i, I want people to um be able to achieve what they want something along achieve what they want in the place that they come from right and that's actually quite a conservative message well, well, that was at the heart of what Starmer was saying from an economic sense, but He's when you start to idiot, use yeah. when you start to use phrases like "break the links yeah, yeah. of etc etc," you can be sure that it's not just going to stay in the economic. Realm. I don't want them to end up where they started. It's like, but that's where my family is. 
That's where I want to be. Yeah, that's where I grew up. That's, that's where I. Lo- that's where I feel most at home. But yeah, exactly. I, mean, what's, what's I want gonna, you to. Bre- I want to break the links with he, your home. He did say that's that it. he wanted people to not have to move from where they started. But at the same time, I don't think that any of this is going to end up that way. But that's my point. That Keir Starmer is just not bright. He's just not very bright. Like all of this, all of the implication of what you've just said is obviously packaged in there. That any normal person would be like, okay, so you don't want me to leave where I come from, but you don't want me to end up where I came from. So what am I doing? Yes, there are some many contradictions in this, which does come from a lot of the issues that you're discussing there. So he unveiled a new goal of half a million more children reaching their learning targets by 2030 because constantly just going education, education, education works so well under Blair. Part of the plans include removing tax breaks for private schools, which he said would raise £1 billion, funds that he would use to employ 6,500 more teachers in areas with shortages. So what's going to happen is that the price of private schooling will go up, which means fewer children will go to private schools, which means he won't generate the revenue that he's trying to get because the private schools will shrink and they will give him less money. And also it'll increase the burden on public schools because more children will be taken from public schools to uh, so private schools So what you're, what, what you're schools. suggesting is that private schools might become even more exclusive, probably yes. for the children of those like Keir Starmer, div- increasing yes. class divides. And he will have reduced the overall quality of the education of children in this country. He will not have attain, obtained the money he expected, and he will have just increased the tax burden on the taxpayer because he is an effing moron. And this is just basic um, logic. Basic logic as well, which is that just throwing more money at any situation and throwing more teachers into the school situation does not solve the problem. What solves the problem is the quality of education that you are getting, which does not just come from having multiple teachers standing around at any one time, possibly doing things, maybe. And also when you're overloading the schools with immigrants and the children of immigrants, that might also have something to do with the shortages that some are experiencing. Oh, it absolutely does, man. Yes. He, he also committed to ensuring that every child has a specialist teacher in his classroom and promised to modernise the national curriculum. That's that's uh, dangerous. You can, you can say whatever you that's want. That's dangerous. Well, I think modernise... I would not well, want yeah. the yeah. leftists in Labour to be modernising the national curriculum no, any I mean, more they did than it already under, is. They did that under Blair, and the, it, the decline is just so palpable yes. at this point. He, he also wants to end the academic and vocational divide. And there was... Listening to it, there was a commitment to trying to get people into areas where they can actually have jobs, which, I mean, fair, but why are we in this situation in the first place? Yeah. Why are we in this situation in the first place? There was also this, which I saw you retweet and speak about, where he's going to set out plans in a major education to uh, put speaking lessons at the heart (laughs) of the national curriculum. Schools will teach children to speak. Well, there is precedent for this. You used to be able to get elocution lessons. Yeah. In that, schools, that and was I, to help you lose your accent. That was, but it does also help you to formulate your it speech does? and be able to communicate effectively. So I think there is some pragmatism to this and some value to it. Problem is, I imagine it's once again probably motivated more by the fact of we've got lots of foreigners who can barely speak English well, in the classroom. I, I read, I read this uh, clip of the article. And yes. it doesn't say that in there. It, uh, Keir's arguing that actually uh, children are just dumb these days and can't properly articulate what it is they're trying to say. And this is true. All That's you need totally to do true. is look at any clip of Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally true. And it's Zed, American. Zed. Um, uh, but the thing is, if you go back and watch like a clip of like... You can find video clips of um, you know, journalists interviewing children from like the 1960s, and the children form fully... It is quite remarkable looking back at those. They, they, they are as eloquent as Douglas Murray, and it's just like, okay, what happened? 
You know, why did this change? Why are we constantly on the decline? There was educational decline, <sighs> and uh, it doesn't seem that any of these solutions that are being put forward have fixed them because there have been variations of yeah. all of these solutions done in the time between now and then, they and things just keep getting worse. What they need is some kind of trivium yeah. where you get yeah, taught yeah, logic, yeah. you get taught proper maths, and then you get taught uh, rhetoric. Absolutely. That's what they need, the classical education, and that mm. helps to people to be able to form their own minds, understand the world around them, and then communicate it better to yeah. one another. That's clearly what needs to be done. I don't see any. I don't see Keir Starmer going out and say, what we need is a re, uh, revitalization of the trivium, though. I don't see him saying that. No. Yeah. I see him saying, let's just keep throwing money at this brick wall. Well, his solution is the managerial solution, right? He, he can't speak to the quality and character of the children themselves. He can only speak to the results. And so he's like, well, we just need line to go up. And there are other problems in the Labour Party as well. I mean, there's constant problems in the Labour Party, but there are other ones going on right now, including the ULES... Uh, pr priorities that, that are being put for the ULES plans, especially around London, Sadiq Khan. For those unaware, ULES is ultra low emission zone, which if you drive into particular parts of London, you just have to pay a charge. Or, like me, you find out that you get a £60 fine overnight. Because, I'm, right, I, I just want to yeah. harp on this for go a on, quick moment on. because it yeah. really, really annoyed me. <laughs> Last year, around a, a little over a year ago, I went into Brixton. For, it was for a gig. I didn't want to go into Brixton. I was wearing a stab-proof vest. I was safe. Only a few people died. Right. It, it's, it's fine. Um, and I paid the charges and all of the charges. I, I got into Brixton at what, like 5 o'clock. I'd paid all of the charges, managed to park up, go to the gig, uh, gig finishes at half ten, get back to the car at eleven, start driving out of London. Not able to get out of London or the ultra-low emission zone before midnight, I thought that it would just pay for 24 hours. No, it's, it resets at midnight. So, even though I'd already paid the charges, I still got fined, despite the fact that I thought I was following the rules. I hate London, it's a hellhole, it's an awful city. Yes, and they are planning to expand that, because at the moment it's mainly parts within the centre of London. Now they're trying to expand it to the M25. And in this article, some of the Labour MPs are rebelling against this, because it's obviously a terrible idea. It's obviously going to cause them more trouble than it's worth, because people will start complaining to them mm. and filling up their offices with complaints, and then people will just not vote for them if, if this were, goes ahead. If I were left-wing, I'd point out that this is just a tax on poor people. Uh, that is actually the trick that they're going for here. They're saying this will affect poor people the most, which Obviously. it absolutely does, because these constituencies that it's going to affect aren't just going to be Westminster. No. It's going to be people of varying backgrounds and varying wealth. But that's some of the stuff that's going on with Labour today. There was also another thing that I put in here. John, if you could just open the link that I had uh, to... No, no, not this one. It's in the document here. Uh, yeah, about the activists. Thank you very much. So at the speech as well that he was giving out, some activists who were already on stage with him, who presumably had been vetted by Labour because why else would you have them next to their future prime minister, are standing on stage and then decide that what they're going to do is say, oh, you need to, you've done a U-turn on the green commitments. We need you to go back. No more U-turns, Keir. And it's all very manufactured. Yeah. is all clearly staged because yeah. the whole world is a stage we already looked into a few weeks ago how a lot of the UK government has specific channels set up to be able to manufacture consent and have all of these things done but, but at the click this. of a finger notice this, a Green New Deal What? so the American ideal yes. of a Green New Deal, right, brilliant 
Yes, you can't the, even use Jeremy Corbyn's the AOC. Green Industrial Revolution. Exactly, <laughs> exactly that. And you just had the too two most diverse members of the stage yeah. just happened to be the ones to do this. And Keir gets an opportunity to look as though he's standing strong, standing firm, waving the crazies off the stage like he will the rest of the country. I'm going to take firm control of the obviously staged as far as i'm concerned a yeah. clear opportunity as far as he's concerned to say i'm strong i'm stable i'm not crazy but i also still care about the environment absolute rubbish but then yeah. let's get on to the, the daily skeptic article so this is what people are talking about now which is the new britain constitution ending parliamentary democracy and uh, <laughs> what they say in here is that the proposals of keir starmer's a new britain constitution written up by gordon brown who I'm honestly surprised is still alive, let alone involved in UK politics, but he is, yep. are designed to destroy Parliament forever. Don't say base. Don't say base. Of course... The parliament is a historic institution. Yes. I want to continue. And by extension, anything approaching popular, popular sovereignty in Britain. Those, these are the subordination of Parliament to the judiciary, universal English devolution, and reorganisation of Britain as a multinational state and the enshrining of the current social order as a constitution. Now, So he wants to turn us into a social contract society. He wants to turn us into the USA. Yeah. In miniature. Which is a social contract society. I mean, that's literally what it is. Yes. And devolution, for those who aren't aware... UK politics operates primarily from Westminster and the Houses of Parliament and uh, Parliament itself and then the House of Lords. There's the House of Commons where all the uh, MPs are and then the House of Lords. And uh, what this would do is separate all of this so that they don't have power over the local constituencies. Now, in a different circumstance, I might say, great, more power to these local constituencies. But there are there is a lot wrapped up in all of this, and also it's being headed by Labour. Oh, no, I'm, I'm actually kind of in favour of this. I'm in favour. This is a threat. If you devolve England, I'm going to find the furthest right area of England and get elected to whatever you get. <laughs> I'm going to do this. This is a threat, Keir Starmer. This is a campaign promise from your future yeah. king, Carl Benjamin. <laughs> I'm not going to be the king. I'm just going to be... Maybe uh, of that particular area. An elected politician they won't be able to get rid of. Because I'm just going to go to the farthest right place and I'm just going to get elected. Well, I mean, what a lot of people are concerned about... Care. And what we'll get into in this uh, later on in this article is that a lot of what will happen is essentially it will be devolved, as yeah. happened with Wales and Scotland, and as happened with Wales and Scotland, the opportunity will be given for far-left lunatics to occupy every new position of bureaucracy that exists. Because we already hang have... On, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's be more optimistic about this. I will not. Why, I why refuse. Can't, why can't they be far-right lunatics occupying every... Why can't we... Why can't because we, if it's done by Labour, they will turn around and arrest those far-right lunatics. Why can't we just galvanise the Brexiteers and say, hey guys, we could take over England this way? Uh, suddenly if, it's not sounding so bad, is it? No, no, no. no. See, that sounds, that sounds good, but it won't happen. I don't know. It, I, 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 I think we very, can make it happen if we want to. Uh, maybe, maybe. I'm joking, I'm joking. Yes, I, I, I know. It's, it's going to turn into the Welsh Parliament. And yes, the, the it, Scottish it, it, that's what happens with these things. From experience, uh, right-wingers just don't get to have much of a say in these I do think a lot events. of that is down to right-wingers not organising there. Oh, yeah. You know, the right wing has sadly been quite complacent for a long time. The thing is, if each area of England has its own devolved parliament, well, that's money. Because one of the problems that right wingers have is financing. You know, they can't get their organisations and uh, finance. But of course, if it's elected to a, 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 a parliamentary body, well, those people do get paid and they get staffers and assistants and whatnot. Well, once again, there's a lot more wrapped into all of this, which mm, we'll cover I in just a moment, that seems to be explicitly designed to prevent 
people with different opinions from the entrenched bureaucracy yeah. from getting into any positions of power. For instance, that on this, yeah. Labour's very nice and slick renewing our democracy and rebuilding our but economy page. Look at the picture. Look at the picture. It is literally a vertex diagram of Britain. It's not a photo. It's not an artistic representation. It's stripped away Britain to merely a series of lines in the rough shape of Britain. This is how their minds operate. They could have had a beautiful, aesthetically pleasing picture of Britain that was really nice to look at. <clears throat> no, they've stripped away everything that makes Britain what it is, like the greenery, the, the, the countryside, and they've reduced it to merely lines and, blo and heat blobs. Yes, a tech right. intern drafted this up for oh, this them, is, but and that's just the mindset that, uh, that uh, inspires. This is what the manager sees when he thinks of Britain. Yes, he doesn't see a real place. No. He sees a series of plotted graphs through which he can yeah. manipulate to get desired results. That's exactly. doesn't see people. Uh, but this, as you would imagine, includes the same sorts of headlines that you would expect. A country of potential. Sorry, we were already a great country. Yeah. And we have the potential to be oh. a great country again, but not with Labour. Not with Tories either, to be honest. But either way, yeah. uh, the scourge, the scourge of inequality everybody's favourite talking point that they love to harp on constantly. And there's more in here. I'm so literally going to run on a platform that's the opposite of this. I'm pro-inequality. <laughs> I can the, make an argument for inequality. The glory now. of inequality. Yeah. Well, no, yes. because, no, no, that's exactly what it is. The glory of having passed on an inheritance to your children. That's how I'll frame it. The glory of <clears> living <throat> in a place where not everybody is some amorphous blob expected to be the exact same as one another. Imagine that your children get to inherit the good things that you built up during your lifetime. Vote for me if you want that to continue. There Sorry. you go. There's another campaign promise. Yeah. So uh, in this document, in this page, they say, firstly, we propose a new Britain of shared purpose. The purpose of a. Sorry, I don't. I I just. <laughs> it's just so alien and so French. Frankly, this. It's just like, oh, why don't we have a new France, a new Britain? No, uh, uh, we 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 live in England. We live in Britain. We, this is a very old country, and we like it being an old country. I don't want to just get rid of it. I don't want to scrap it all. I like living in my old, comfortable shoes. You know. Like, I don't yeah, want but they're a bit new crusty one. round the edge, aren't they? Don't you want some sketches instead? No, I was very happy with the old country. <laughs> Wouldn't that you we prefer had? some Nikes? They're smart. They're, I've got a graph here that says they're very efficient. Are the Yeezys? <laughs> <laughs> no. We won't get into that now, will we? I, I was very happy with what I had. Thank you very much. And I don't. I just don't think that Keir Starmer is the man to create a brilliant new Britain. No. No, he certainly is not. Nor is Tony Blair for any Iranian rug merchants who might be watching this right now. The purpose of the New Britain should be grounded in the shared values and aspirations that unite people across our country. And to make that possible, we need to build new constitutional foundations. We don't have a constitution. We have an unwritten constitution. They're going to try and formalise something. The, the constitutional foundations of Britain are uh, over a thousand years old and are inherited. They are traditional. They are literally inscribed on the hearts of the people. Keir Starmer wants to turn us into a piece of paper. Just literally, here's the social contract, sign here. Now it's about our values. Well, we don't share values, Keir. We well, don't share values here. I mean, in, as the French Revolution was still going on, De Maistre was writing about how if you actually, if you can't come up with a constitution a priori, it has yep. to be based on the experience of the people within yes. a particular nation who've been there for a certain amount of time. Yep. And if you write it down, that automatically destroys any legitimacy that the constitution may have had because, and he was a lawyer, so he was thinking it in legalistic terms as well as religious terms. But it was essentially, well, once you've got a rule written down on a piece of paper, you will get all manner of technicians and managers looking mm. for ways in which they can legitimate 
legitimately break that rule. That's a fair point. And even, I mean, and that's that's probably what's going to happen. But a, a best case scenario, the best you can really do in that situation is just explain to people what they already think. You know, it's like, oh, you do all these things, well, I'll write it down. It's like, okay, great. We don't need it written down. You know. Well, this isn't going to be what people already think. This is going no, to be what Labour dictates from on high. It's, it's just going to be, again, it's just going to be French Revolution 2.0. Yeah, so they also say they're going to propose a root and branch reform of our centre of government. Uh, they're going to put forward detail, detailed proposals for abolishing the current undemocratic House of Lords. Not the undemocratic Supreme Court. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine, because that was the, done by Blair. Yeah, the American import that is the Supreme Court. And Keir's like, yeah, we don't have enough Americanism in yeah, this Yeah, I, I suppose, as far as I'm aware as well, the Supreme Court don't do anything to block legislation every so often, like the House of Lords occasionally do. Yeah, I mean, the House of Lords are meant to be a check through the wise men of the women of the country who don't have to have the, the democratic pressure of getting elected every five years. I mean, but this is the thing, isn't it? He's like, I'm going to re restructure all of this because the thousand years of history just didn't produce the communist revolution I was expecting. It's like, good. And uh, they want to make sure as well that there's no going back. Because oh, they, they say here, we also believe that as part of our new constitutional settlement, there must be a safeguard to ensure that change is permanent as well as profound. We are going to tear apart your country reform it in the way that we want and then we're going to staple it together with super glue to make sure and we're going to concrete it together to make sure that you can't do anything about it in the future yeah. we're going to have a thousand year Starmer Reich yes that's, that's is what, literally is what he's what asking for suggesting here but I, I love it as if as if future generations are now going to be bound by the social contract that Keir Starmer writes it's totally immoral that's, it's very arrogant. Scruton, Scruton points out this is essentially like treaty making, where it's going to be a dead hand on future generations. Like, no, you have been bounded. You've been binded by Keir Starmer's midwit interpretation of French Republican politics. It's like, why? We ha like the, the, one of the great things about traditions is that they change. Like they're flexible. You do what seems to be in line with what came previously. That is also fit within the current environment which you are in. So traditions, it's organic, exactly. They're organic. They change. They grow. They mold. Things that aren't useful get forgotten, and things that are useful get remembered. And this makes them holistic, wholesome, decent, organic, as you said. This is literally, as Scruton says, the dead hand of a treaty. It's like no, five hundred years ago, Keir Starmer wrote this down, and you have to live by it now forever. Well, I hate it. In, in fact, I've, I've forgotten his name, but there was an American anarchist in the 1800s who was making the argument like that against the Constitution of the mm. United States, saying, well, I didn't sign it, and well, nobody alive signed it, so why am I having to stick to it? Man, uh, like, go and, go, and, go and read with So Savage. I'm so against the idea of a social contract. And, because the, and people are like, well, what's the alternative? Well, we are a sentimental traditional society. Our, our civilization was built up by bonds of sentiment where we actually liked where we were, we liked the people around us and we thought well of them and therefore our interests were theirs because we were essentially going back to Aristotle's very original conception of what a civic polity was is a, 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 a city based on friendship. And we relationships. Exactly. It was all it starts, about relationships. It starts from the family and then expands out by that. Yep. It's association of families yep. and the head patriarch the of those and, families. Yeah, yeah. They all get together and figure out what's going on. And it was just... I mean, you don't have to be quite so strict about like patriarch or anything like that, but like, it, it, the regions are bound together because of a shared love of the place and a shared history together. And sharing the same problems because they live in the same country. And that's what it was based on. It was all based on bonds of sentiment, relationships, as you say. It wasn't 
a document that now anyone can say I've signed and lay claim to all of this. You know, this was particular to a time and a place. So I'm going to go on on this. No, no, it's all right. There's a a lot to talk about. I can tell it's incensed you somewhat. I I just hate this so much. There is, as you can imagine, with anything like this, with any proposals like this, there is an absurdly long document to go with all of it, which is 155 pages long. I will not go through the whole thing. I'll instead just draw your attention to a few diagrams, including this one where they're talking about Britishness and they have happily and very organically quantified people's sense of identity into a handy-dandy graph for every one of us. <laughs> How do you feel? I'm going to write down a number. Yes, where it says that uh, we've got yeah. a tridentity, not an identity, not a sense of being British, but a tridentity where Britishness is felt alongside national and local senses of belonging. Okay, this is fair, wh- whatever. Uh, we do have it so, you know, I'm British, but I'm also English. I'm also from a particular part of England that were all important to me. But what's this? World citizen. Oh, it's being used out, as the control as well. Turns out that just you know most people have a really strong sense of being a world citizen. Well, they they don't actually, which is why it's even more strange <laughs> that it's going being used as the control. That is weird, isn't it? Very, very strange. And uh, th- once again, this is just the quantification of people's yeah. feelings. Very silly thing to do. And there was also this one. If you don't mind ju- uh, zooming in a bit on this oh, as well. This is, this is the thing. I really this is the one that's been going around social media. Yeah. And, and But what this is, is the genuine total destruction of the traditional Britain that we lived in prior to New Labour. Right? This, is yes. the, this is the culmination of the destruction of this country under the New Labour. They're literally, here's a list of things that are old Britain, which is you All are good. British. It comes from your parents and your birth. Uh, oh, with the centralised state, so they're trying to appeal to all of the libertarian yeah. Labour voters. You don't want a centralised state, do you? Well, actually, I do, because I can see what's happening in the devolved parliaments, and it's a and total waste of money. Agnostic on the role of geography and family wealth in determining life chances, yeah. New Britain proactively equalising opportunity. What no, that so means... ethical co- state. No, what this means is communism. Yes. That, that's communism yes. power and wealth of the center trickles down to the periphery or the wealth of the nation invested to create wealth and every invested by who so the state proactively equalizes and then the state proactively invests to create wealth everywhere this is communism so i love it. power and wealth trickle down from the center. so if you if i if i start a business and we start doing really well because loads of you chaps subscribe then the state's gonna be like well that's trickle down somehow. <laughs> so we're, we're going to have to redistribute this to somewhere in Bradford where, you know, Mr. Mohammed whatever has not done the same. So I mean, why? Thomas Sowell constantly points <laughs> out that trickle down economics is not real and has never actually been the name for any economic theory that anybody has ever put forward, yeah. not even Reaganomics. So trickle down is determined is a bit of rhetoric used entirely yes. by communists. Yes. And yeah. they get to decide what trickle down is and yeah. what it essentially means is not communism. But this but this uh, thing where it's like Britishness is defined how we born, parentage and birth, is because that's literally what the old world is we 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 don't have the right of the soil we have the right of the blood uh it's just sully and just something sanguine or something sanguinous something like that oh, well now it's defined by citizenship well, i've got the well, passport that's, no, but that's that's the <laughs> point now 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 it's the right of this the soil rather than the right of the blood and that's the new world that's the new world well, what, social contract view of doing these things what it seems to me because, is well, hang on, because in in the old world in literally all of the old world you're Identity and ethnicity is inherited by from your parentage. Like, that's how it works. That's how heredity works. And what they're doing is saying, no, we're, we're breaking that chain, and now it's anyone, anywhere at step one all the time. That's certainly a part of it, but what it seems to me to mean is that uh, citizenship, well, who determines citizenship? 
The state. The state. So the state decides whether what you have done is worthy of citizenship or not. It, it has nothing connected. Once again, it's breaking that link to your heritage, what you came from before, and only what you have done right now. What have you done for me right now? Mm. There is also, uh, I won't find the pages, but I've got some quotes here, worrying talk of social rights included in this. Wow, well, okay. We therefore propose that the rights created and protected should be those that form the foundation of the UK welfare state. Oh, so good. these are the new rights that are sacred to us, are the rights of the welfare state. Our economic development... Milton Friedman is crying somewhere. <laughs> I'm <right> crying. <laughs> Our economic development proposals are intended to address the root of the problem of idleness, and we therefore propose four new social rights relating to health, schooling, poverty, and housing. Housing How's rights... How this get around idleness? I would imagine why don't we give you some free stuff <laughs> this will help the problem yeah, this will make you less idle won't it <laughs> this will motivate you if we just give you free things good arguments can be made for extending social rights further to include say rights in relation to health not simply health care so not simply health care we get to determine what the optimum level of health is oh, for you oh right okay so very strange phobic got it uh, uh, it's sounding a bit based in that yeah okay yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe i'm being one of or to post school education or to guarantees about housing provision there you go again yeah. similarly rights can be extended into you'll the live economic in the sphere. tenement block and you'll like it yep they can be extended into the economic sphere on fair conditions of work or on culture and the environment climate lockdown <sighs> yeah climate lockdown yep. The Equality and Human Rights Commission should report at least annually on how effectively key social rights are being delivered across the UK and on the guaranteed levels of social provision across England. So Everything's going to be managed. I've already spoken about why the Equality and Human Rights Commission needs to be abolished along with yeah. the Equalities Act, Those both are. of them, that allow them to exist in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That's just a bunch of bureaucrats yeah. affecting every aspect of life, determining whether it's equal enough. This is Sewis Lewis's... Um tyranny of the people who think they're doing the right thing they they persecute you without end because they do so with the permission of their own conscience yes there is more in this particular daily skeptic article but we've been going on for a little while now yeah. about this and you can read the article yourself because i think we've already painted enough of a dystopian picture to be honest maybe we should do a deep dive of this yeah maybe somewhere. maybe we should because there is a lot in here yeah. so uh, possibly keep a lookout for that in the future and until then remember that uh, labor might be saying nice things but they mean bad things yes <laughs> don't vote for them and uh, don't even want to say vote for the Tories because no, I hate the Tories, the Tories as well. Don't vote, vote for either of vote them. Vote for reform or reclaim. There you go. Like people who we know and like, you know? Don't. Oh, God. But we, we, are, we are going into a dark age. Can the mosquitoes save us? So, Bill Gates is planning to release 500 million mosquitoes <laughs> to save the human race. <laughs> to eat us all? To kill us all? I mean, part of it will be eating us. Oh, okay. Well, that's what mosquitoes do. Well, yeah, I, I, so, I know. Are they trying to kill us all? Will that save the human race, ending the human race? No, he thinks that releasing uh, hundreds of millions of uh, virus-carrying mosquitoes will save us. It'll prevent deaths, apparently. And, uh, I mean, I'm mildly sceptical. I feel like Africa is a case study for this. Well, it doesn't we'll, seem we'll, to work. We'll get into it all shortly. Right. All right. But uh, before we do, go and enjoy uh, one of Dan's latest Brokenomics episodes, which is uh, an investment series he's been doing with a guy called Peter Lowry. Now, Peter Lowry was a former Jupiter Fund manager, and the Jupiter Fund manages $50 billion worth of assets, and he was a former manager of it, right? So if you're interested in investing, then 
he's going to know one or two things about it and dan got to pick his brains extensively on this very interesting conversation you might think well how is that relevant well we know a few other billionaire fund managers uh, who are interested in spreading mosquitoes everywhere to save the world <laughs> don't right? don't compare this man to bill gates well yeah i mean I he's, feel like it's an unfair comparison yeah P- peter isn't um He's not a Saturday morning cartoon villain. No, he's he's not. He's a very nice chap. I went to dinner with him. He was really really nice, really nice guy. There you go. So anyway, in 2016, the FDA approved uh, the risk assessment. Approved um, this uh, company's um, attempt to save the world by flooding it with mosquitoes. <laughs> I. No wonder you're stumbling over that sentence. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. I couldn't. I couldn't think of a good way of framing it that didn't make it sound like the plan of a villain, right? This um, is all very GI Joe so far. Yeah, the, uh, the the firm is called Oxitec. It's based in Abingdon, UK, and it's uh, funded not just by Bill Gates, but <coughs> it is partially, of course, funded by Bill. There Gates. are other members of the Legion of Doom involved in this. I can tell you who they are if you like. Oh, all uh, right. The initial eleven investors included the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, J.P. Morgan Chase, the World Bank, Merck, Pfizer, and GlaxoSmithKline. Doesn't that just put your mind at ease? Trustworthy fellows. Doesn't that just make you? Oh, thank God, they're releasing five hundred million malaria-infested <laughs> mosquitoes. If it was someone else, I'd be concerned. <laughs> Jeez, I'm not even joking. So this is from this paper, right? In this paper, he's asking, well, why are they doing this exactly? So the the plan is they they what they were asking to uh, field test uh, biotechnology uh, to try and reduce mosquito-borne diseases. And he points out, well, the US does not have a high incidence of mosquito-borne diseases. Why do we need to do this in Florida? That's an excellent question. That is an excellent question, isn't it? So they approved uh, uh, Oxits, or whatever they're called, uh, genetically modified Aedes aegypti mosquito as a public health tool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yeah, so they want to solve public health problems of the global south by means of their patented products. Some powerful non-state actors committed to capitalism or neoliberalism believe they can do better than democratic state. Therefore, they have chosen to take on some roles of the state, motivated by the conviction that they can be just as just, efficient, and effective. And so, of course, Bill Melinda Gates, J.P. Morgan Chase, and all the rest have invested in this. Uh, I mean, the Gates Foundation put $75 million into this, right? So it's not, not small fry. It's not just a not just pocket change, although it probably is to Bill Gates. Uh, but they they aim to use uh, these genetically engineered mosquitoes to wipe out malaria in regions of sub-Saharan Africa. Why release them into Florida then? What are you doing? Right. Uh, a 2016 MIT uh, Technology Review article notes that Gates Foundation said it no longer believes that malaria can be wiped out without a genetically mos- engineered mosquito gene drive. So if you're in sub-Saharan Africa and you're constantly at risk of malaria from mosquitoes coming around and possibly biting and transferring it to you how are you supposed to tell the difference between the ones that cure your malaria or just give you malaria it is slightly more clever than that oh, because right. these are supervillains. you've got to give them some credit <laughs> sorry I forgot about um, that so they have genetically un- engineered the Aedes or have it's pronounced Egypti mosquitoes to include a heritable ge- synthetic genetic sequence that makes them dependent on a chemical called tetracycline 
uh, which is, and it's, so is expected that if they don't get this, then the mosquitoes, when they mate with their wild female counterparts, 95% of the resulting progeny will inherit the tetracycline dependency trait, and so they're not expected to survive into adulthood in environments that do not have sufficient amounts of that chemical. This is literally the plot of Jurassic Park. And this is all wild expectations as well. Well, we expect that they go out and this will happen. Yeah, but this is exactly what Henry Wu does in Jurassic Park with the Velociraptors and the other creatures. They're like, well, it's, I can't remember the name of the, the amino acid they're lacking. But they're like, so yeah, we have to give them the amino acid or they'll die. It's like, oh, they can get it from their environment, which again happens in Jurassic Park. So, anyway... Like, it's entirely possible these mosquitoes simply won't die if they can find it in their environment, right? Um, and so he, in, in this article, the, the author uh, says, well, I'm interested in um, why, like, why, why this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah. He gets the proposal, but why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> by evaluating the FDA's assessment of the proposed uncaged field trial in Key Haven, Florida, and by identifying the low instance of mosquito-borne diseases in states in the US, this paper has raised the question of why the sponsors of biotechnology seek to conduct uncaged field trials in the US. Again, okay, why not do it in the Congo, where they actually have mosquito-bearing, uh, malaria-bearing mosquitoes? Why wouldn't you do it there? Why would you do it in Florida? Well, we don't want to risk our precious Africans being hurt in the trials. Floridians, though. Well, actually, uh, it's argued that proponents of biotechnologies may be interested in using the fact that the US has a regulatory agency that has authorised uncaged field trials of genetically engineered mosquitoes to urge other countries to permit uncaged field trials and commercial use of patented biotechnologies. So they're like, well, look, they're doing it in America. Don't you want that too? Here's some money. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so in 2021... Uh, Bill Gates released 150,000 mosquitoes in Florida. Just there you go. Good luck. <laughs> Just Oxitec are like, yeah, we've got 150,000 mosquitoes ready to go. Okay, this sounds crazy, but what are you going to do, right? But the UK has apparently already tested these mosquitoes in Brazil, Malaysia, Panama, and the Cayman Islands. But it hadn't received regulatory, regulatory approval for the US, but it has now. Uh, according to the study... <coughs> um, these uh, carry a gene that the it kills the female progeny progeny in the early larval stages. So fingers crossed that that does happen, and na and life doesn't find a way, right? Um, and so yes, they've released all these batches, and the uh, the researchers will make use of captured devices to trap mosquitoes for study. Because of course, how would you know that this is working? Well, like so, they just plan to just trap as many mosquitoes and they've added a fluorescent marker gene and so they uh, under a particular kind of light they fluoresce isn't there i don't think i've watched it but I'm, isn't there an episode of black mirror where they have genetically modified or robot bees that get unleashed and start killing people um it's actually also the plot of jurassic park dominion i've not they've watched got that genetically one. engineered locusts i've only ever watched the first one well yeah and, and i don't blame you it was terrible but <laughs> you know, my, my new jurassic park film comes out and my son's like oh can we watch that i was like yeah okay why not it'll at least be cgi dinosaurs and, and like half the film is taken up with this plot about genetically engineered locusts that have escaped from the biolab and are going to ravage the food supplies of the earth it's really boring there wasn't a strange man in glasses and a sweater vest sat on the row behind you taking notes was there i mean i didn't see one but I went to the Swindon cinema. So, I mean, maybe if, maybe if it was in LA or something. But yeah, anyway. It's the same... It's, again, the same plot of a Jurassic Park movie, somehow. Right? But um, Snopes stepped in and were like, hang on a second. You're not spreading conspiracy theories, are you? 
Uh, and um, <clears throat> fact check is the whole story. Well, if you want to scroll down to the fact check on that, John, uh, it's kind of true. <laughs> Look at the line. Bill Gates himself is not releasing the mosquitoes into the wild. However, he is funding the people who yes. are. Yes. Bill Gates himself isn't opening the box with the mosquitoes. The, the only way they can ever fact check this is just by taking the sentence Bill Gates is doing this literally like he's hand yes. releasing them. Yes. That's exactly what the Snopes fact check is. He personally is not doing it. <laughs> but of course, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is providing the funding to genetically modify and release mosquitoes in various locations, including Florida. Yes, we know. Remarkable. <clears throat> but also, they go, hang on a second. We've got even more of a fact check on this, right? Because Oxitec is being funded by multiple different partners. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation did give that company grants, right? But it was to... Uh, do other things and not just that thing. What other things would those other things be? No idea. We've also got another fact check. This isn't the next pandemic, you know. I mean, I, I've I've got an idea for what else other things you could do. You know, maybe hounds with insulin-tipped <laughs> fangs released into areas of diabetes. <laughs> there you go. Sort <laughs> insulin delivering pit bulls. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, entirely possible, frankly. But uh, again, another fact check. Uh, it's not. It's not the next pandemic. What are you talking about? There, is, <laughs> the the virus has no correlation with the re- <laughs> with the re- the West West Nile virus was reported in Florida. <laughs> like, the virus has got no correlation to the release of mosquitoes, and no governments have mentioned they caused harm. Was okay. there a spike at the time when all of this was done in cases in Florida? Well, that was. Um, that was only in 2022. But Bill Gates wrote a blog post about this. Oh, all right. A, I mean, he literally has a blog called Gates Notes. I think I've looked at this before for things. Until I fell down this rabbit hole, I had no idea Bill Gates had a blog. Did you not? No. I'm sure I've shown you things off it before, but anyway. Pro- possibly. I just don't remember it. But he, he says this, and this is just brilliant, right? Inside a two-story brick building in Medellin, <laughs> Colombia... Scientists work long hours in muggy labs breeding millions and millions of mosquitoes. And they're the good guys. Uh, They tend to the insects every need as they grow from larvae to pupae to adults, keeping the temperature just right and feeding them generous helpings of fish meal, sugar, and of course, blood. (laughs) It's got a large supply of blood on hand, do you, Bill? (laughs) Bill Gates approaches you in a bar. You got any blood, mate? Yeah. I need some blood. I'll pay you for the blood. I mean, it's not like he's going to skimp out on that. Well, yeah, that's true. Haggle Um, over the blood with Bill Gates. I was the richest man in the world. I can afford your blood. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But then they release them across the country to breed with wild mosquitoes that can carry Deneng and other viruses, uh, threatening to sicken and kill the population of Colombia. That might sound like the beginnings of a Hollywood writer's film horror plot, but it's not. This factory is real. Yeah, it does. Even he himself is like, okay, I sound like... Dr. Frankenstein assigned like an evil villain. This sounds like the beginning of Resident Evil. I know this sounds evil, but trust me, bro. It's like, of all the people I don't trust, bro, it's someone who went to Epstein's Island and was like, well, his lifestyle isn't for me. It's like, no, I don't trust you. I I bet, I just bet Bill Gates is testing out like rage-inducing drugs on chimpanzees (laughs) right now in a lab underneath London. We know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, but that's the, and everyone's like, well, why is the Umbrella Corporation just so evil? And it's like, yeah, it's a great question. It's because they think they're good, right? He says the mosquitoes aren't being released to terrorize the local population. Far from it. They're actually helping save and improve millions of lives. Well, I feel reassured. Bill Gates is just Thank releasing God. hundreds of millions of malaria-carrying mosquitoes, guys. 
trust us is going to save it's the world for your own good uh, he, he says well a randomly controlled uh, controlled trial conducted in Indonesia why did you need to conduct it in Indonesia Bill uh, found that uh, Wolbachia carrying mosquitoes reduced the number of dengue cases by 77% and hospitalizations by 86%. See, isn't this just great? Nothing more to worry about. Mosquitoes to the rescue for a disease I've never even heard of, right? The demand for these life-saving mosquitoes continues to grow. Popular demand for life-saving mosquitoes, mate. Don't question I, it. You're, maybe, you're a maybe these uh, diseases, like you say, I've never heard of some of these diseases, de- dengue or dengue, well, yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it is epidemic in those countries. We are, at the end of the day, little Englanders. It's not we, epidemic in Florida, though. Yeah, it's not epidemic in Florida, uh, but it's just very, very strange method of, generally speaking, in the past, we have had... Maybe this is because people were hesitant with the vaccines, and he's gone, right... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not willing to take them. Well, I'll get a bug to literally bite it into you then. Which, don't give them ideas, that isn't the plan. Remember, the plan is for the, uh, the not sterile, but like the, the males with the faulty genes to mate with wild females to produce infertile or dead offspring, right? Offspring that die in youth. So the, the plan is to reduce just the number of uh, mosquitoes. You will receive mosquito vaccines in the future though this is what this is leading to it probably is yeah it probably is i i would not be shocked right but uh but as it says the demand for these life-saving mosquitoes just through the roof everyone's like god i just need more mosquitoes uh and uh the the factory is producing more than 30 million mosquitoes per week (laughs) really industrially produced mosquitoes this is such a glorious new future. This, this is a much better plot than anything in the most recent series of Black Mirror, though, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, I'm only producing uh, hundreds of millions of mosquitoes. Like, trust me, I'm the good guy, bro. I'm not a weird freak. Like, the, the demand for these mosquitoes is through the roof. <laughs> these amazing mosquitoes are taking flight and saving lives. So we'll bang our pots and pans for the mosquitoes like we do the NHS. Um, and, yeah, if we go to the next one, just there's going to be 500 million of these produced... 500 million mosquitoes that are definitely going to solve all the problems. Uh, they say uh, in this, the mosquito release in Florida was fiercely opposed by a significant portion of the local community as well as outside activists and experts. Although there, many say that with better controls and more advanced research, they'd be more open to the trial in their community. But for now, critics say there are scientific flaws with architect's plan for the Florida release and insufficient safety testing. No. For what could be the flaw with releasing hundreds of millions of mosquitoes into Florida. What could be the flaw? You tell me. We'll get to that in a second, in fact. Uh, Many in the community say they feel that the experiment is being forced upon them, with no way to opt out other than packing up and leaving the area. Uh, I find this criminal. We are being bullied into this experiment, said one resident at a recent town council meeting. I find it criminal that we are being subjected to this terrorism by our own Florida Keys Mosquito Control Board. So the people charged with controlling the mosquito population are like, yeah, we're going to release hundreds of millions of mosquitoes which seems a bit counterintuitive but theoretically they're going to reduce the mosquito population it's like right and when that doesn't happen what then spend money to make money release mosquitoes to reduce mosquitoes and this remember you you will recall is all with the aid of reducing malaria right the noble humanitarian goal of reducing malaria would it surprise you to learn for the first time in 20 years malaria has been found in florida 
I was hoping that that wouldn't be the horrifying shock twist of this story, but... We just released loads of African mosquitoes into Florida to help reduce malaria, and now there's malaria, if you go to the next one, in Florida, which is just amazing. Like, who could have predicted this? Five new cases of malaria, one in Texas and four in Florida, are alarming officials because they were locally acquired meaning a mosquito in the earth was carrying the parasite. What a crazy coincidence. Who could have seen that one coming, Just a eh? coincidence, bro, right? This hasn't happened since 2003, and almost all cases of malaria announced in the US are from people travelled outside of the country where they caught malaria from somewhere in Africa. Uh, but these five new cases, seen in people who hadn't travelled abroad, raised fears that local mosquitoes could be spreading the disease to other people. Well, where did these come from? Who could have predicted this? Sure, it's nothing to worry about. The real problem is that it's climate change. Climate change Should have known definitely... <laughs> mosquitoes like birds are migrating. Climate change is definitely playing a role in vector-borne disease throughout the US, said one expert. Uh, we know in general that climate can be one of the many factors that can impact vector-borne diseases, said the CDC spokesman. Today, global travel and trade allow vector-borne diseases to be moved around the world and transmitted by local mosquitoes or ticks. So there we go. It's climate change that has done this. It's not Bill Gates releasing 500 million mosquitoes into Florida that's given people malaria from mosquitoes. It's climate change. I knew it. You're just a conspiracy theorist. All right. And with that, let's get onto some of the video comments. Oh yes, it's Sophie is showing a what appears to be a little clay figure that she has made. Oh, and she's painting a face. Yes, and she's painting a face. Appears to be of a sad-looking man with a big nose. Yes, but he is uh, apparently some Danish chap. No, oh. she did tell us in a, a video comment the other day. I just can't remember who it was. I might not have been on podcast for I that don't one. Think you were, yeah. Today we'll discuss the deep south. This region was settled by many people, but ruled by the second sons of European nobility. With no land to call their own, these disinherited created their own kingdom in the south. Many southern gents see themselves as descendants of royal blood or Norman conquerors. Either way, higher and apart from the common people. These new elites have weathered 400 years of English liberal waves upon their shores. Unlike their cousins in France, they have learned that the people's anger cannot be ignored, but instead harnessed. Over the centuries, the southern gents have learned to trick their constituents into fighting their wars, keeping their peace, and forgiving their sins. The culmination of this 400-year masterclass on subverting English liberalism is the cynical realpolitik of the southern democrats. Great fashion sense, though. Very interesting. And yes. yes. <laughs> Let's get on to some of the written comments now. Would you like to go through some more? No, because I did do so much. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Wigan Survivalist says far right just equals non uniparty. And that's exactly what it is. Yes. And it's, well, far right, yeah, it has all of the connotations. So if you just attach it to anything you don't like, yeah, people just go, ooh, evil. California Refugee says, I hope the kinks continue to get worked out. Loving the new studio still. Thank you very much. Hope I'll have some new video comments next week beside my Flower Friday video. I'll be awake for this one today. Cheers, lads. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. It must be late in california i'd imagine That'd be early in california or, or early whichever one but we, we didn't have any kinks today yeah it's Did been we? all right we've yeah. done well today well i imagine yeah. it's we just up. Some, so, <laughs> that we know of yeah that i'm aware of i mean john might have just been keeping it from us but no the <laughs> everything's gone all right today yeah 
Uh, on to It Can't Be Stopped Now. Ethelstan95 says, The immigration issue is so ridiculous given the amount of manifesto commitments at every election. At some point, there needs to be legal consequences akin to breach of contract if you fail to fulfill promises in a commercial tender. If you fail within a certain period of your term to implement snap election and a ban from rerunning for a time period. There definitely needs to be something because I'm so tired of the conservatives every single time being like, "We're going to reduce immigration." It's like uh, flogging. You're going. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be up for people being flogged. Yeah. Yes. Lord Nerevar says the left has miscalculated. They assumed that they could import millions of immigrants and then allow them to vote. They would never lose power. But in importing the immigrants, they've alienated the native population that still forms a considerable majority of the nation. Give it ten years, assume fortification becomes impossible, and the left will be out of meaningful power to a century uh, for a central because of this. You get what you deserve. I hope that's a God. Fingers crossed. That's a that's what I would consider quite an optimistic take on this, given that the EU is actively funding proposals like the becoming a minority in your own country yeah. idea because they don't want us to be like you say there we do still form a majority of the nations that we find ourselves in yeah. so the idea is okay well we don't want you to be the absolute minority but yeah. we don't want you to be the majority so if they do that then they take away some of the power that is still left shaker silver the labels of left and right have grown to be too low resolution for describing current events i absolutely agree mm. on the main point of immigration the right-wing establishment wants replaceable workers to benefit their big business buddies while the left-wing establishment pushes it to make the underclasses equally miserable in equity yep. in truth it's not the far right as in conservatives they are afraid of it's that these elitists are afraid of populists who don't want to benefit the current ruling class sticking to the left-right labels is allowing them to set the terms I, I agree with some of that. I think the people who are in charge right now are just evil, as far as I'm concerned. Incompetent and evil. Well, competent at being evil, <laughs> perhaps. It is something like that. It's it's hard to say exactly, because... I mean, there are lots of, it, there are lots of people involved, and lots of them are stupid. Very few of the people we see, at least at the forefront, are the brightest bulbs in the bunch. That's true. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to attribute malice to it, though. Yeah, I think malice is really the issue. Um, but it's malice that is evil. Um, the, 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 the reason we perceive it as malice is because what they're doing is evil. But they perceive what they're doing as a sort of heroic goodwill. Because they think what they're doing is good, because they're stupid. Yeah, many evil people thought they were doing good things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bill Gates releasing hundreds of millions of mosquitoes. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah. American Connor. Nice to meet you, American Connor. <laughs> I always suggest the thought experiment. Without 50-plus million immigrants in the US, would wages be higher or lower as a whole? Would housing costs be higher or lower? If you're not capable of understanding supply and demand on that level, please stop voting. Oh, the amount of people I would just strip the suffrage away from. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would say net taxpayers. Yeah. It's been a net net taxpayer for five years, then you get to vote. That makes sense to me. Which I think is totally fair. Open to anyone who just pays taxes net. Yeah. So that's going to reduce the the tax paying population of Britain to about probably about three million straight white men in the southwest. Excellent. <laughs> and a few in the north, I would hope. Probably my family well, members. The, Possibly. <laughs> no, I'm joking, obviously. A twisted Frenzy says, Traditions are solutions to problems we've long since forgotten that we had. Yes. Yeah. Taffy Duck, the rise of the far right. Spooky noises. Ooh, yeehaw, lad, we're winning. Well, across parts of Europe, yes. Yeah, across parts of Europe, we're winning. In Britain, we're not. Yeah. Uh, Richard Monic, uh, Moni Monikendum. Uh, sorry if that is your surname I was trying to pronounce it my best Moninikadim I think that's how you say it Okay. says Labour are scum 
very nicely and succinctly put. I could have shortened the entire segment down to that, but I wanted to just explain why. Lord Nerevar, the Labour thing follows on from what I said about the far right. Labour can see their whole platform is threatened by the disgraceful policies in regards to immigration and wokery. They need to concoct a new image which embraces patriotism and disavows their previous leader in order to regain the voter base they lost by being traitors. But it doesn't mean they're going to simply give up on the treason they want to commit. They are a dangerous force and not to be taken lightly. Can I just read this comment? Uh, sorry, I, uh, yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. No, you, you're absolutely right. Omar's got a great comment here. Here's the problem, Carl. Their hands are tied. How do you depress wages, fracture community bonds, and expand money laundering and maintain housing bubble without unfettered immigration? Infinite waves of foreigners are part and parcel of increasing my, stock, increasing my stock portfolio. Rishi, probably. Exactly. I mean, they, they, they know what they're doing. They must know what they're doing at this point. Well, that's why I put it down to malice, because from their own perspectives, it's self-interest, mm. but from the perspective of everybody else who doesn't share their self-interest, it's completely malicious. Yeah. But they, they do think they're doing good. Like, they do think that. They're just really stupid. They think they're doing good for someone. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's they think for they're sure. doing good for someone. That's a great frame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shaker Silver, looking at Starmer from the low-resolution left-right view is what is confusing you about his motives. Instead of taking the elitist populist lens, instead taking on the elitist populist lens will make you better understand why his managerial positions aren't bringing Labour further right. It's returning, um, it's returning it true to the more elite form of Labour under Blair rather than Corbynism. Well, I, I am already aware of that. That's why it's Blairism. Yeah, it's yeah. not Corbynism. But he's, he's, he's totally right, though. That's exactly what's happening. Yes, Angel Brain. Uh, that devolved England idea means we'll almost instantly get a bunch of little caliphates across England. Great idea. That's true, but we could also get a bunch of little far-right caliphates. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the Callum fate will rise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, yeah, that would be better than uh, not having it, I suppose. Uh, Derek Power says, if the last decade or way more has demonstrated it is possible to both be stupid and e evil. That's fair. Yes, yeah. I agree. On to the mosquitoes. What do people think about the mosquitoes? I'll read some of these. These are great. Oh, yeah, of George Hap says, now when I'm killing mosquitoes, I'll be fighting the globalists. Thanks, Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ron Swansea says, I'm sick of Bill Gates putting mosquitoes in the swamps that are turning the frickin' Floridans malarious. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh... I'm just, I'm just so, so tired. <laughs> yeah, of everything. Yeah. Should I go through a few more? Yeah, yeah, go for yes. it. Because my thing's only loaded up. A couple yeah, yeah. Of some Baron from Warhawk says soon Bill Gates will reveal that releasing swarms of malaria carrying pests is part of his plot to take over the world and rename himself Mosquito Man. Only Mark the Lizard Zuckerberg can save us by eating all of Bill's minions. Mosquito Lord to you, actually. Oh yes. Uh, apologies. Apologies. Robert Longshaw, imagine not wanting your children to suck from the tit of the government for their whole lives. I think that was more in relation to yeah. my segment, but very true. Le French independence from the US says if you release them in Africa, they will quickly reach Europe, especially as the climate of Europe gets warmer. Probably, yeah. Mm, maybe. Kobe Konstock says the anti-immigration fantasy is the idea that the Royal Navy, the police, and the Home Office would do the job and immediately arrest and deport the invaders back to France where they came from. It is oh, a fantasy. God, I do fantasize about it every yeah. single day. It is a fantasy because no one in these institutions has an incentive to do that and no one will be punished for not doing it. Um, totally I, true. Possibly. I think that comes from the unions and also from the people at the heads of these institutions. Yeah. I think most of them are mainly just there to try and do what they think is best and try and help the country. Why else would you become a police officer if you don't have some feeling that you want to help people, right? I assume that's why they and do And so it. if you put the people in power, if you strip out all of the wokists mm -hmm. and put in people in power who will motivate them to do the right thing, mm -hmm. I think they will do the right thing. 
fingers crossed fingers crossed yes and with that that's all we've got time for so thank you very much for watching once again if you can make it in about an hour's time at 3.30 UK time we have the Rumble live stream where Connor and Carl will be talking about whether the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast should so, be fun yes stick around for that until then we'll see you tomorrow back at one o'clock take care Thank you.